Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio with you on the phone, practicing safe social distancing is JP. <laughs> I have cooties. Yeah, you do. Get rid of them. You don't even have a dog. You have no excuse. Uh, don't rub it in. I miss my dogs. Anyway. <laughs> All right. But if we look across the region today, the markets look a little bit happier. SDI was up before the lunch break. So was just about everybody in the region. Is that still the case now that we're back from lunch? It is still the case, fortunately for us. And we're holding on to these decent gains again. We're up by 3.2% today, Clarissa. That's a 72-point gain for the SCI, which is now above 2,300 points. You're seeing value turnover just a little thinner than usual. But, uh, but it's still enough to say, you know, this is a solid push. 901 million Singapore dollars in total value turnover. There's also more winners than losers at the moment, and almost at a ratio of two to one right now. And it's also the same picture when you look across the rest of the region. There's some strong gains and bounce backs to be had. The Nikkei 225 for one is up by almost 6% today. The ASX 200 looking pretty steady with a 4.2% recovery today. Shanghai, Shenzhen, both up by about 1.3%. The Hang Seng has added about 790 points. It's changing just a little bit, but it's around that level, 790 points in the green. And the coffee also up by 6.5%. So a number of these uh, monetary authorities in in some of these economies have introduced uh, monetary stimulus packages. The RBA or the Reserve Bank of Australia has bought back a number of bonds, uh, billion, about $4 billion worth of government bonds again to try and provide liquidity to the market. The cost fee in South Korea, financial authorities have increased their stimulus package. I think they've almost doubled it, actually, and that's lent some confidence. But I think what's really driving confidence again in the market, or just a little bit more relaxation, for lack of a better term, Again, is a site that U.S. futures are holding steady and strongly in the green. The Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ futures all about 3.5% higher today. And this after a number of things really happened overnight in the U.S. So, no, the uh, stimulus bill that's being debated in the U.S. Senate hasn't been passed. They're still at a loggerhead. We can talk about that in in a bit. But as they they try to debate, as it still drags on, the Federal Reserve decided to step in and said, you know what, we're going to provide some strong action. And basically, they've unleashed what some market commentators call QE or quantitative easing infinity. They're going to stay in the markets. They're going to continue to buy bonds and asset-backed securities without any limit. And they've also introduced a number of measures to try and uh, and provide liquidity to large and medium-sized corporations. And this is all as they try to cushion the economic fallout uh, in of the COVID-19 pandemic, which could see the American economy contract by as much as 30% if Morgan Stanley is to be believed. So they've they've moved forward with this massive QE package that's really soothed a lot of nerves, at least for from from markets. Even President Donald Trump actually. Uh, said in a news conference that he called Jerome Powell and said, you're doing a good job, which is a U-turn of, of the three years of criticism he's levied against the Federal Reserve. So and, and this really just to make sure that there's liquidity in the market to make sure that uh, borrowing costs are low enough so that uh, businesses can be encouraged. We've seen the liquidity crunch actually drive some of these yields up recently. But if they do move in and start to choose a lot of this, uh, a lot of this QE and more liquidity, it could give time for these uh, rates to stay at near zero levels and provide some breathing room for companies in the U.S. 
that are looking to refinance also. But of course, a lot of this will also be dependent on whether or not fiscal stimulus and this $2 trillion bill stuck in Senate actually gets passed. Right. Um, how long does, is there any projection as to how long this will take? Because I think uh, this is m- much needed funding in the U.S. right now. Yes, it is actually. Um, you know, there's no, I can't really say that there's a timeline. We can only go off of some of the comments from U.S. Secretary, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin right. when he said that we are getting closer and closer to a deal. One of the few uh, signs of hope here also is the though the Democrats voted the bill down, they have introduced their own version of the plan, which is basically a lot of uh, re- um, uh, augmentations on uh, some of the Republic, uh, more controversial proposals in the Republican bill. They're looking to try to create um, uh, broad implications. It would force lenders to grant temporary reprieve for mortgage and car payments and credit card bills. They're going to provide the Federal Reserve loan servicers of up to $4 trillion to make sure the Fed is backed up or is authorized to unleash a lot more liquidity should they have to do that. Public housing will get a temporary reprieve. Student loan borrowers and student debt in the U.S. also might get a $10,000 debt forgiveness, actually. So they're looking to target some of the, um, uh, I guess, some of these uh, uh, consumers and the everyday American, as opposed to what they said were a lot of corporate bailouts being offered by the Republican bill. So we'll see if the Republicans actually look at this and say, you know what, fine, let's, let's, let's try to meet ourselves halfway. But at least the, the Democratic side of the Senate has proposed an alternative. Or, you know what, how about plan, how plan uh, 2.1 here? You know, so, the, uh, so there is signs that maybe they will come to an agreement. But there's still a lot of horse trading that goes on, especially in uh, in, in the U.S. legislature, as, you, as it usually takes place. Right, of course. I mean, the, the thing is, there was a lot of analysts were talking about the Republican bill and how it really did not benefit the everyday American, the Democrats coming back with some proposals that does help the everyday American should, I suppose, really be looked at quite seriously. They're the ones who are going to be really hit. Yeah, true. And uh, I will have to say in defense of the Republican bill also, there were provisions there to try and protect Americans. There was was some stuff there, like $10,000 for every American family, for instance. But I guess the Democrats believe that this was not enough and they need to trim some of the bailouts in the corporate for corporations and try to hand that off. There was a very interesting interview, actually, on Bloomberg TV overnight uh, with, with, four, with Senator Elizabeth Warren, who dropped out of the presidential campaign a few weeks ago. They asked her, and she testily responded that it's the Republicans' fault that the, the bill is stuck. And the anchor from Bloomberg actually asked her, well, why is there a possibility where we can pass some of the relief measures to the Americans first and maybe, and maybe suspend some of these possible bailouts for a second discussion first and just get this much-needed liquidity to the average American who's actually suffering right now. She said that was actually a possibility. There are, there's an abundance of ideas and options to, to, to uh, attack this and try to get this much-needed liquidity to American citizens. But will it be enough? Can they do it in time? That's the big question, because as the Republicans have said, and rightfully so, the clock is ticking. Absolutely. It's ticking over here as well. Now, back in Singapore... On Thursday afternoon, our Deputy Prime Minister and Minister for Finance, Mr. Heng Swiket, will be unveiling uh, part two of our supplementary budget to assist with what's going on here in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Any analysts have any ideas yet 
what might be in that uh, second package? Um, you know, I would, the analysts haven't really chimed in yet. But however, he did. Uh, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister Heng actually said uh, during the intervention that uh, the stronger the measures to contain the pandemic, the more severe the impact on your our economy. So we have to be prepared to take short-term pains to avoid bigger losses. The only thing we can really assume is that there is going to be an intensification or a ramp up of some of the existing support measures that were outlined during the first fiscal stimulus, the uh, sorry, budget uh, response to the COVID-19 out- outbreak when the budget was released last month also. Right. But what's interesting also is that the uh, Deputy Prime Minister Heng also called on the G20 to set a strong signal to other members saying that the fiscal and monetary measures from the G20 nation has to be coordinated, has to be strong, and has to be consistent to make sure that the global economy as a whole recover. And it's, uh, it's, in, it's not surprising to see Deputy Prime Minister Heng actually say this, because basically the Singaporean economy, as open as it is, pretty much also depends very much on the health of the global economy. If the global economy suffers, there's a lot of sensitivities that will hit, hit and filter into the Singaporean economy. So for him to have an international outlook also and say, hey, you know what? Uh, the whole world, the global economy, and all the uh, all the big uh, policymakers and decision makers have to coordinate because if uh, it, it, if Singapore does all of these measures, but the global economy continues to deteriorate, it's going to be uh, less effective, I think, also on his part. So, 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 him calling on some of the international cooperation, make sure that international policymakers are coordinated, is uh, not surprising on his part. All right. Well, let's just hope they all can play well together. Now, we talked about SIA yesterday and the grounding of 96% of their capacity. Today, there is an update on that. It looks like cost cutting across the board. It's going to affect a lot of staff. Yes. It's almost like we're becoming, it's almost like a patient watch on SIA or Singapore Airlines, right? I'm not saying that they're going to go under anything, but every day we get more updates and there's more interest into really what's going to happen to the country's flagship carrier. They do have a strong balance sheet, but again, these are very extraordinary times and they've had to institute a lot of these cost cutting measures. Um, The Business Times has learned that CEO Go Chun Pong is now going to take a bigger salary cut of about 30% starting April 1st. And this is a double the original salary cut he was he was set to take of 15%. And executive vice presidents, senior vice presidents, are going to see their salaries cut by about 25 and 20% respectively. And the board members are taking a 30% cut in solidarity with the company. But along with that, they're also looking at, uh, at mandatory and voluntary no-pay leave for all staff up to divisional vice president. So a lot of the middle mid-management are going to be taking some of these no-leave pays also. There's going to be compulsory no-pay leave, at least for pilots, executives, and associates. And about 10,000 staff are going to be affected by this. So in a memo, uh, Mr. Goh, the CEO of Singapore Airlines, said, we must all brace for even greater sacrifices going forward. So could this be, is this the last in terms of their actions to try and keep the uh, airline uh, afloat at this point? Um, I, expect, I think he's hinting at, at the potentially more action to be taken down the road. And we can only hope that Singapore Airlines can get back on its feet because this has been very crippling, not just for them, but for airlines across the world. It actually does look like all the measures that they're trying to implement, all the cost-cutting with salaries, etc., one of the things that it looks like, at least to me, is they're trying to also save jobs at the lower end of that tier. Mm-hmm. 
And if that is so. the case, they should be commended for that. I, I think it is, it is that. And it's also because if you're going to ask your staff or your rank and file to take a voluntary or compulsory no-pay leave, management needs to set an example as well. If And they will have to show them that, hey, guys, we're also going to be preparing to take some of these salary cuts at the moment. In, and, uh, and we hope that uh, this at least will, um, uh, will, will help measures. And, and I can only imagine that the salaries of some of these top management they're actually significantly higher than some of the rank and file. So perhaps more impact if they take on these 15 30% salary cuts also. I mean, they, they are trying to preserve uh, jobs. I think there's also been the, uh, the mandate for the government is that as much as possible, try and minimize the number of job cuts and losses that will result from this also. And Singapore Airlines just trying to be, be proactive as well. But always the question is, will it be enough the estimates now is that the revenue for the for the first three months of the year will decline by at least a billion Singapore dollars, at least according to UOBK hands. Right. OK, now back at home and here in the mothership, Singapore Press Holdings is talking about scrapping a purchase that they were planning to make in Canada on the back of uh, COVID-19 instabilities. It's uh, Yes, they are. And actually, they have decided to scrap it. Yeah. It's a it's a big it's a big um, bill if they were going to go ahead. So it's interesting how, that they they've decided to pull back from that sale. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, mind you, a few week, a few weeks ago, uh, analysts I believe at CIG SCIMB, I could be mis- mistaken there, but some analysts actually re- upgraded SPH to a, uh, a, a in terms of their rating, saying that the uh, increased exposure to aged care or, or elderly care in terms of these acquisitions, senior housing properties, was one of the things that was going to buttress or help Singapore uh, Singapore Press Holdings the uh, owner uh, and the parent company of our radio station to actually ride out some of the uh, short-term impact and the decline in uh, in media revenues also. So this is a bit of a big blow. I mean, they were prepared to spend about $244.5 million Singapore dollars to take on six senior housing properties in Canada. And according to the uh, uh, release in a board's filing by SPH, they said that the purchaser and the vendor have now mutually agreed not to proceed with the acquisition in light of the global market instabilities caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and uh, they said that the pro- proposed acquisition was sa- subject to satisfactory due diligence. We can just imagine that with the tumble and the losses we've seen in global markets, this has also impacted valuations for some of these uh, properties also. NASPH might have said, you know what, we're not comfortable to buy at this price anymore. And the vendor also said, you know what, we also might not be that comfortable to sell at this price anymore. So perhaps they both might have to circle back and come back to the drawing board when the smoke clears at the moment. But for now, SPH has decided to do this. It could also be a measure to try and conserve cash in these trying times. We don't know what's going to happen, if there's going to be another market meltdown, if something bad's going to happen. So perhaps uh, management and SPH also look at themselves saying, you know what, maybe it's best to conserve some of these bullets, some of our cash piles at the moment, and we can revisit this acquisition down the road if it's possible. Of course, they haven't indicated if they are going to do that. Well, I'm sure that once the dust clears and the smoke clears and we get back to business as usual, there will be, if not this one, other acquisitions to make. Mm-hmm. All right, Absolutely. before I let there's, you go, uh, JP, we need to look at the yeah. 800-pound gorilla, the ultimate 800-pound gorilla for Singapore investors, Tomasic, and their shareholders not having a good time right now. No, not at all. Again, this uh, sell-off has really hit and not spared anybody, not even... Um, at Temasek Holdings. Uh, this is a report actually I, got, I, I, I uh, gleaned off of Bloomberg 
And uh, they've actually uh, tracked some of the biggest equity shareholdings of Timasek, which is pretty much most of the big companies here in Singapore. Um, the subsidiary total has plunged about 24 billion U.S. dollars since January because of the sell-off we've seen, actually. For instance, um, Timasek happens to have a big stake for instance, in Singapore Airlines also. They also have a stake uh, in, uh, in Alibaba mm-hmm. and also Capital Land, DBS, Singtel, you name it. And they've seen a decline in many of their holdings. Interesting, though, uh, tracking the decline in, Tim- in Timastic's or the, their estimates in terms of how much they've lost in value. The company or the, uh, the company holding that's really seen the biggest decline in value has been Singtel, falling by about $7.4 billion U.S. dollars in terms of uh, value for Timastic. DBS falling by about $5.3 billion. Capital and also falling by 2.3 billion. Singapore Airlines, the decline in their actual holding, according to Bloomberg's calculation, is only at about 1.7 billion. That's only the fourth uh, biggest drop of them all. So Singtel and DBS and Capital and seeing bigger declines actually in terms of uh, Tomasic. But again, it just goes to show that even the most experienced investors at the moment are getting whacked. They're getting walloped at the moment. And we can't really fault about, uh, uh, you can't really fault them too much for this. I mean, this, uh, the sell-off has really caught many inexperienced investors, including Thomasic, and they've just uh, seen, seen one of the toughest starts to a, to a year, at least especially for, the, for this big uh, Singapore uh, um, investment fund. Right. Okay. This has been Market View on Workday Afternoon. Don't forget, JP comes back for prime time from 4 p.m. with the very latest news and updates to keep your financial health as uh, in the pink as we possibly can right now. I'm Clarissa Montero. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.